One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, December 1st, 2022, the 680th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free on a variety of podcast platforms and Rumble. All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find all the links to the podcast, to the social media, to the writing, and of course, to the merch site at linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So I have talked for a very long time on this show, and I have also discussed it even this week, how it is my belief that the most important thing in everything that goes on, not one particular issue, not one particular person, even when that person is Donald Trump, all of that comes secondary to the cultural awakening, the great awakening that we are experiencing. And it is my firm belief that at the point where that awakening reaches a critical mass, where enough people understand the depth of our problems, 
and the entire spectrum of those problems and why all those problems are occurring, that's when we can collectively begin to fix those problems with the force of the entire society working to fix these problems right alongside us. It's my belief that that's when we will actually have the necessary power and will to solve some of these massive problems that you can't simply solve by passing some new legislation in a state or passing some spending bill through Congress or the president signing an executive order. We can make minor changes around the edges that way, but most often the problems just get worse the more our illegitimate and unelected public representatives do while telling us that they're actually fixing problems. Every time they say they're fixing problems, they are really just advancing the global agenda in some way, almost all the time, while selling it to us as something that's actually going to help. For instance, we've seen establishment Republicans talk about the disaster that is the fake president's border policy. And the most obvious solution to the border problems, of course, is to stop funding the cartels, stop working with the cartels, and stop working with the NGOs that facilitate all of this down at the border and build the wall. If we actually wanted to keep illegal aliens out of the United States, we could do it. But they don't want to do that because the establishment of both parties are aligned on their priorities and aligned in their service of the global agenda, just as they are on every other issue. So when you see an establishment Republican turn up on Fox News or some other cable TV show or some clown show podcast like they do over at the Daily Wire, you'll hear them talk about every solution but the things that will actually work. They'll say, well, you know, we need more uh, security cameras at the border. We need more drones at the border. The solution to this problem is actually technological. We can all agree that we need to spend a bunch of money to increase our technological capacity at the border in order to be able to spot people coming over the border. So what we're going to do is we're going to spend tons and tons of money and we're going to increase the surveillance state but only down there. You see, we're going to solve a problem for all of you. We can see that you're all very upset about illegal immigration. And so what we're going to do is we're going to solve that problem for you by taking your money and propping up this new technological surveillance state that's just at the border for now and will never be applied to the whole nation, even though, of course, it will be. And we tell you that all the time. And then we get to hear about how that establishment Republican really has their finger on the pulse of the nation. They know that illegal immigration needs to be solved and they give the perfect solution, one that everybody's like, wow, yeah, put iPhones everywhere and everything will be fixed because they know they can't say that they support the wall. They know that they can't just call out the cartels and Take note of the fact that the illegitimate administration and politicians on both sides are working with those cartels. They can't talk about the NGOs running this human trafficking operation 
but they can tell Americans that they want a huge financial windfall for technology companies and that that's somehow going to fix the problem. And people are like, well, you know, we are in a technological age now. So in order to be able to see people coming across a river, you do need a lot of drones and a lot of cameras. I mean, (laughs) I guess that's what we must need because apparently no one's seeing them come across the river and walk across our border. And sure, I mean, it may not solve the problem completely, but how are you going to solve the problem completely? There's just so many people flooding over our border and it's because they're fleeing climate change. And so we're told, hey, well, that is a very responsible establishment Republican solution. But because it's from the Republicans, we can't just give them that solution. So what we need to do is combine it with a solution that Democrats like, too. And so let's do that as part of a of an immigration package. And the other part is going to be amnesty for all of the illegal aliens that are already here. And at the end of that, we'll be told this is going to be a bipartisan solution to the problem of illegal aliens. And then they will spend tons of money to implement that program. And the problem will not be solved at all. But what will happen is The global regime gets to increase the surveillance state and increase their knowledge on functional surveillance technologies. They can find out what works and then expand those programs to other places. Hey, we found out this works really, really well at the border. So we're also going to put it in high crime urban neighborhoods because, you know, they have such an exceptional record of actually improving things in high crime urban neighborhoods too. And the regime also gets the pleasure of having all of these illegal aliens that they have trafficked into the country over decades now get full amnesty. Now they're just American citizens and now they can vote. So for the regime, it's a win-win and establishment Republicans will tell Republican voters, look what we've done. We've increased technology at the border. This is going to secure our border. And regime Democrats can say to their voters, we've achieved amnesty for all of these illegal aliens that have been coming here for the past few decades. This is what gives these people dignity. Now we have done this great good for the world. But the problem remains unsolved, even though Democrat and Republican voters think that something positive is being done about an unsolvable problem and they shift their focus to something else. Because the truth is they don't really know what the problems are in the first place and they've never explored what the solutions might be. So any answer that sounds helpful to them reassures them that the government is doing what it can to help, and that's all we can ask for. We have been in this cycle about virtually every issue for as long as I've been alive, and I'm certain that the problem existed way before I popped into this world. These problems aren't going to be solved simply by replacing politicians with other politicians through stolen elections that the regime controls to think otherwise is insane. So how do we actually break through that? Well, the only way we can actually break through that is by people waking up and understanding what the underlying problems actually are, understanding that these problems are real, 
They have a shape. There are real people involved in these problems, real people affected by them, and that our failure to react to them eventually places the moral burden on us because we've chosen to ignore them for so long. And so rather than focusing on whatever the current topic of debate for the day is, whatever everybody's giving their hot takes about, today it's Kanye West appearing on Alex Jones and saying a bunch of crazy things about Nazis and Hitler. Is that relevant? I mean, I guess you could make an argument that it's relevant based on the size of Kanye's influence and outreach and audience, the size of Alex Jones influence and outreach and audience. And Nick Fuentes was also there too, but their conversation doesn't immediately become one of the most important issues of our time just because people on Twitter are upset about it. And it seems to me that the way to react to this stuff is not to determine who's a good guy and who's a bad guy and who said something evil. Because the truth is, it's all a big mess and everything else is a big mess too. What I want to focus on, what I choose to focus on, what I think other people should focus on, but it's up to them, is whether or not the thing that's happening pushes the awakening further along or it hinders the awakening. And here's another example. People are riled up about Elon Musk talking about Neuralink, and I get it. I've talked many times about the technocratic and transhuman future that is being prepared for us by the World Economic Forum, by global governing bodies, by people who want to not only know what we're thinking and doing all the time, but want to control what we're thinking and doing all the time. And on the other side of that, they also want to be able to upload their own brains into the cloud and keep on living forever. All of that is obviously deeply dystopian. It comes from a place of evil. It comes from a place of worship for the authoritative source. I have no qualms whatsoever with people who understand this as the promotion and worship of a false god. I think all of it is utterly deranged. But I also think that it's science fiction and it's not happening. It's certainly not happening now. What matters is understanding the problem. It's not whether or not Elon Musk is a good guy or a bad guy. And it occurs to me, and I think maybe you'll agree, that the best way to stop the advance of the transhuman agenda is through free speech. And through that speech, the collective awakening to what is actually happening. So free speech itself could stop the advance of the transhuman agenda. So is Elon Musk advancing the transhuman agenda while advancing free speech? Maybe there is some ultimate worst case scenario, some truly terrible dystopia out there where Elon Musk directs speech in only one way, to the point where he is able to seize and control all of it and then push us into that transhuman future. Is that what he has planned? Hey, maybe. All right. And if that's what he has planned, then he certainly will prove to be a very evil man. But that sounds to me like a pretty unlikely scenario. Will it come to pass? I don't know. 
But if Elon Musk keeps advancing the cause of free speech the way he has been for the past few weeks, the likelihood that we'll end up in the future prescribed for us by the World Economic Forum seems to be diminishing by the day. It's amazing what people will rise up collectively to stop once they know the thing is happening. And after decades of propaganda and cultural control, and after years of just outright blatant in-your-face censorship, far too many Americans have been brainwashed and have been confused about what is actually happening. As that effect wears off, as people learn more, as a product of the spread of information through free speech, we have a better opportunity to solve these problems. So that's why my focus is always on, does this advance the awakening? Will this advance the awakening or will it hinder the awakening? And because that's my focus, I get very excited when I see significant narrative advancement, particularly when the narratives are advancing on a massive scale And eventually reach the point where they pierce through that mainstream narrative, that informational bubble that has been confined by the censorship and the propaganda. And I would say that on each and every issue, we can see these things come in cycles. We'll hear a story that wakes people up a little bit more. And a little while later, we'll hear another story that wakes people up a little bit more. You think about our elections. A lot of people completely denied and ignored the fact that the 2020 election was stolen. And they did it for many reasons. But in the two years since then, they've learned more about election fraud. Some people have woken up to that problem. Some people are waking up to it just through seeing how awful the Biden administration is. Now Trump doesn't look so bad to them. Trump supporters don't look so crazy to them. Maybe now they're willing to hear the stories over again. We see the elections that happen in the midterms and through many of the primaries and people begin realizing, oh, something is actually wrong here. They see what's happening in Brazil. Oh, maybe there is a chance that elections can be stolen. How many more times do we need to go through that story? I don't know. But the point is that every time we see it again, more people wake up to the reality. When enough people are awakened to that reality, that's when things can change. That's why I focus on narrative advancement and why I try to make sure that the progress is not reversed through further censorship or greater propaganda efforts. And eventually we reach a point where everyone understands, oh, wow, this is a big problem. It's easy for them to do that on small issues, right? Like gas prices. We've been told forever that presidents don't affect gas prices. Well, we can see that's not true. The illegitimate regime came into office, destroyed our energy independence, and energy prices skyrocketed. They're actually telling us they can influence energy prices every time they say Joe Biden has been releasing energy resources from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and that's bringing down gas prices. People know how it was under Trump. People can see how it is now. They know how it was before Trump. And since it's not a terribly emotional issue, it's only a practical thing. They begin to realize, oh, wow, 
you know, maybe the policies our government implements and maybe who the president is do have an effect on our energy prices. Maybe policies have an effect on food prices. Maybe policies have an effect on inflation. Maybe this inflation isn't transitory. And they realize, hey, maybe we've been lied to the whole time. Now, when you get to more complex issues and when you get to issues where more emotion is attached, people have a harder time doing that. So it gets more difficult to wake people up when the issues are more complex and their attachment to their position is more based on the emotion surrounding the issue itself. It's why people who are totally addicted to the central narrative have a hard time speaking honestly about George Floyd or Breonna Taylor or Jacob Blake or the Black Lives Matter organization or whether or not the riots were actually mostly peaceful protests or statistics about crime, statistics about police violence, how absurd an idea it is to think that defunding the police will somehow solve racism or that posting a black square on Instagram will somehow solve racism. Why can't people detach from all of those narrative elements when they know nothing real stands behind them? The facts aren't on their side, but they won't even admit it. They'll be like, oh, well, you know, regardless of any of that, It's just really important that we all work really hard to dismantle systemic racism and become anti-racist. People don't want to wake up to that stuff because they know what they've said and they've done and how they've treated people. They know the emotional toll they could potentially be taking if they come out against these positions that they held before. Maybe they're worried that they're going to be called a hypocrite. Maybe they're worried that they're going to lose friends. And the truth is that all of that is possible and it may even be likely, but people still have to do it anyway if they care about being good people, if they care about being responsible citizens, if they care about the future of this country, even if they only care about their own future. And society gives them plenty of distractions and plenty of reasons to turn away. And what happens when the truth about these issues, these really important issues, these really difficult and emotional issues begins to be presented to the public? Well, those things in particular are what they will target and call conspiracy theories. These are the things that they will say are QAnon. And then they just allow the boogeyman to do the work for them. You can't look into vaccine safety or you're an anti-vaxxer. You can't disagree that plastic straws are destroying the planet or else you're a climate denier and you don't care about sustainability. You can't say that George Floyd was a lifelong criminal who died of a fentanyl overdose, even though that's what the medical report said, or else you're racist. You can't say there were feds involved in the January 6th insurrection or else you don't care about our democracy and you're a domestic terrorist. You can't say that the 2020 election was stolen or else you're an election denier. You're repeating the big lie. And once again, you don't care about our democracy. And so they take all those insults and all that emotional damage that they 
intend to inflict if you say the wrong things and they put it in a nice tidy package and they call it QAnon. And now anything that they want disavowed by the public at large, they just simply attach to QAnon. And once they've put it over there, well, people who want to remain part of polite society are not allowed to talk about any of it anymore. And inside that little bubble that they've created, that boogeyman they've created, inside that are some of the most important issues going on in our society. And one of the very most important issues within all of that is the systematic trafficking of humans particularly children, and to take it even one step further, the systematic trafficking of children for sex and other exploitation. Because what happens when people realize the truth of that? What happens when people realize that the illegitimate administration currently pretending to run this country right now is actually involved in facilitating the systematic trafficking of children for sex and other exploitation. That is one of the most damaging potential awakenings that faces the regime. That could bring them to their knees when the public finally understands what exactly it is these people are really doing. And the day for that is coming. I hope it's coming soon. But until it does come, it is still important to note when there is significant advancement along that line. Again, separate all the issues out and notice that we are advancing the narrative along all those tracks all the time. Each and every day, more people are waking up to one issue or another. Maybe people are focused on inflation. Maybe people are focused on election fraud. Maybe they're focused on whatever they're now calling the war in Ukraine. But all of those little awakenings are happening each day. Well, in the past week, we have had significant narrative advancement on the issue of systematic human trafficking for sex and other exploitation. We got the Balenciaga stuff this week, and I'm sure everyone's familiar with that issue. They took photos for a marketing campaign, and those photos were pretty clearly exploiting children in a number of different ways. And it's not an accident. These are the photo shoots they intended to set up. People get paid a lot of money to do that. And I'll circle back to the Balenciaga stuff in a little bit. But also this week, we got a release from Project Veritas, and I'm just going to play like their two-minute trailer. It's a nine-minute segment where they lay out the whole thing. But if you haven't heard this yet, I do want to give you at least some reference point here. The tax dollars of people who are listening are paying to put children in the hands of criminals. I said, I need to make you aware. And they said, Tara, we don't get sued by traffickers. A government whistleblower has stepped forward to Project Veritas to detail her harrowing experience as the Department of Health and Human Services. In 2021, this whistleblower volunteered to assist HHS with the placement of unaccompanied minors and was deployed to the Migrant Emergency Intake Site in Pomona, California. There, she witnessed the agency failing these children, as she puts it, doing the work of the cartels on your tax dollars. These vulnerable children we care for them, we clothe them, we feed them. With your dollars and my dollars, we fly that product directly to 
the trafficker. God forbid it's sex trafficking. Project Veritas embarked on a nine-month investigation across the country to corroborate our whistleblower's claims. So he attempted to traffic children, and he's still at address in Texas. Yes, we have 44 unaccompanied children at that address. We have 25 unaccompanied children at that address. Project Veritas put boots on the ground, visiting scores of addresses the whistleblower shared from case files she worked on. What we found was shocking. <laughs> The sponsor can hold up that order of deportation to that child and say, if you do not do what I say, I'm going to call ICE on you myself. I don't believe that this is something that HHS wants people to know. If you're a case manager and you know this information, if you really care about the children being safe, you need to come forward. So they had the English translation subtitles on the video version. You can find that in the info stream on Telegram or just go to Project Veritas's website, I'm sure. But the conversation was being had with a trafficked 16-year-old girl who was being pimped out to earn back the money it cost for the cartel to bring her to the United States. So she had to earn back the $10,000 by being pimped out from the guardian she was placed with after she came into the country. And this is a whistleblower from HHS. This is a system designed to facilitate this. It's not an accident. It's not random. It's not a one-off. It's a system. So this is what I think about when I think about narrative advancement. We get the Balenciaga stuff. This is a high fashion brand, well-known by elites and people who want to be elites. Everybody who spent 2020 telling people to mask up, they probably are aware of Balenciaga because they're probably obsessed with celebrities and reality television and rap music and pop music. And they hear these brand names all the time. They want to be the sort of people who can afford to go out and buy these brands. They think it makes them look like they're important, like they're the elites. That's the sort of people they aspire to be. So there is wide cultural awareness when a name like Balenciaga pops up and you have this connection to obvious exploitation of children right there in the pictures. But there are still people out there who will say, oh, well, this is just artists being a little strange, a little provocative, kind of trying to shock people and get attention. And they'll excuse it that way. And they won't even realize they're excusing it. They'll think, well, yeah, I don't like this stuff, but I'm not going to tell like artists what they can and can't do. Well, hey, no one's suggesting we censor artists. What we're saying is that at a society, this is not something we should publicly condone. Everyone should make it known. This isn't okay. If you're trying to sell us products with this, we're not going to buy your products, you sickos. 
but people will turn their heads. They'll say it's an isolated incident or maybe it's no big deal or, okay, well, everybody knows that's wrong, but like, it's not something widespread that everybody approves of. This is like nobody really approving of this. It's just this, this one isolated fringe thing. And yeah, I get it. It's a little creepy, but whatever. Well, then immediately on the heels, you've got Veritas, and that is a government system in coordination with cartels that is actively exploiting underage girls for sex. And it ain't just 16-year-olds, by the way. But it's Project Veritas, right? And the mainstream doesn't respect Project Veritas. They've spent years and years talking about how Project Veritas does these hit jobs, everything's manipulated. But if you spent much time watching Project Veritas videos, reading through the reports, reading through the background documentation that they have, understanding who those whistleblowers are, all of those criticisms of Veritas go right out the window. And sensible people understand that. Nonetheless, diehard communists and other child brains will continue to ignore it. They'll say, well, Project Veritas isn't a trustworthy source. Okay, commie. Okay. And that continues to work as long as the events don't continue to pile up. And as long as none of this stuff really penetrates into the mainstream conversation, people will just do what they did with Katanji Brown Jackson. She was lenient on pedophiles and people who were spreading child sexual abuse material that came out in her Senate testimony. And people just said, well, she's the first black woman ever nominated to the Supreme Court. And this is just a conspiracy theory. Ignore it. It doesn't matter. Don't focus on the underlying issue. What are you, some kind of racist out there talking about child pornography? And failing to recognize how important it is that we might have a black woman on the Supreme Court, even though this black woman can't define what a woman is. And so they ignore the problem of child exploitation and they just carry on with their lives. And Balenciaga pictures come up and they'll try to figure out some way to explain it away and just go on with their lives. The Veritas stuff comes up and they try to explain it away and just go on with their lives. But that's not everybody, right? That's the thing. It's not everybody. People who are inclined to do it in the first situation are a little less inclined to do it in the second situation, a little less inclined to do it in the third situation. And eventually those events, as they come around and around and around in cyclical fashion, a few more people drop off each time. Each time there are a few less people willing to go out and ignore or even defend this behavior. And people begin to wake up and it's slow. I understand people need to be taught the lessons again and again and again until the whole class catches up. And it's unfortunate, especially for people who are already awake. And of course, obviously for the actual victims out there that it is taking this long. But these big entrenched and truly disturbing problems are not caused by random actors. They're caused by the most powerful people in the world. So it's not just a simple solution that is available to us that we can just reach out and grasp. You can't just say, well, the FBI should take them all down. Well, yeah, sure. The FBI should take them all down. But the FBI isn't some perfect organization either. How are we going to fix the FBI? 
Well, we have to wake up to the problems of the FBI, and that is happening, too, along a different track. And eventually all these tracks meet and people see, oh, wow, the most powerful people in the world really are doing something heinous across the world. The way that happens is through narrative advancement, and we are reaching a point where we can actually begin to have a much broader awakening on all of those things. Which brings me to the war room yesterday. So each day, the war room is on for two hours in the morning, two hours in the evening. And it's war room battleground. That's what Bannon calls it for the six o'clock Eastern hour. At the beginning of that hour, he had on Laura Logan to talk about all of this. And I was absolutely blown away. And I'm not going to play the entire thing because I think she was on there for about 20 or 25 minutes. I encourage absolutely everybody to go watch or listen to her appearance, but I'm going to share part of it because I think it's really important for people to see how far this narrative has advanced. And while listening to this, think about how many people are listening to or watching War Room. It's spread across a number of platforms and the podcast version that comes out later is among the top political podcasts in the country. War Room is massive. The mainstream media has to pay attention to War Room. Once something gets to War Room and it's being blasted out, especially something like this, the regime media knows that they are soon going to have to reckon with all of this. So take a listen. Laura, we just left the southern border of your beloved Texas. And, uh, you know, we have a consul there that tears up when he talks about not just the cartels controlling things, but the unaccompanied minors. He picked up a nine-year-old little girl yesterday and a six-year-old boy from Honduras just kind of dumped at the border. And he says he had, if he wasn't driving his Border Patrol vehicle around or his constable's vehicle, who knows what would have happened to him. We had Veritas on yesterday, James O'Keefe, with really a, a, a story that's almost hard to fathom about the U.S. government essentially being a partner of the of the uh, of the cartels and these unaccompanied minors, and this is a federal whistleblower. This is not somebody from Breitbart. This is not somebody from Gateway Pundit or Citizens Free Press, or works for Laura Logan or War Room. This is a government official that talks about these unaccompanied minors are picked up by people. There's no checking. There's no background check. There's no verification. And they go in Houston. There's a house with 44, which is essentially a brothel. There's another one they say with 21, and they're all over it. This is tens of thousands of people. And then you got the situation with this this fashion company. We're not conspiracy theorists. We're, our, our, we make up th- there's no conspiracies, but there's no coincidences. And hey, I understand a lot of the Q people and people like that. They mock and ridicule them, and maybe some of them a little out there. But when the evidence just starts coming and it's so overwhelming every day on so many different aspects, you got to ask yourself what in the hell is going on here, and particularly where the government seems to be a partner, an active partner. This is from a federal. Whistleblower. So I want to start the border, which you know as well as anybody because you're a Texan. And then I want to get to this fashion house. And what's coming out in this fashion house is, quite frankly, it's it's jaw dropping. It's jaw dropping what's going on. And what you got to have a guy playing for the L.A. Rams, uh, the the wide receiver is one of the few people stepping up and saying, "Hey, this thing doesn't sound right to me." And no celebrities are ever all the celebrities are quiet. Everybody's trying to look the other way. You can't look the other way on this stuff. You just can't. Laura Logan, let's start in Texas, and then we're going to go to the high fashion houses in Paris, ma'am. 
You know, Steve, it's a very there is a very simple way to get to the truth of what is happening in Texas and what's happening on the southern border. And it starts with the money because um, there are foundations and there are private companies who are being paid millions of dollars to set up shop um, everywhere from, you know, McAllen and places right on the border all the way to San Antonio, which is just an hour from where I live. And um, and they are being paid to get rid of these children as quickly as possible. I wasn't surprised to hear the government whistleblower that James O'Keefe mm-hmm. and Project Veritas worked with, um, to hear her say that the emphasis from this administration is on speed, get rid of these kids as quickly as possible. We know that that's true because we've seen that from the beginning of this administration. Remember when all those people um, gathered under the bridge, all the Haitians, and it was a crisis for a couple of days, and then what did they do? They just got rid of them. They make them disappear. And, and this is the pattern of this administration. They know because they use the border to such great effect against Donald Trump. They know that when you get a bunch of women and children, especially families and small children that are in custody, so whether they're in cages or behind bars in some way, shape or form, that what happens? None of these facilities are set up to house them. So you get all the problems and all the crises that happened under the Trump administration. But this would be of a magnitude so many times greater than anything we saw under Trump because there have never in the history of this country been so many people and so many unaccompanied minors pouring over the southern border in the thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, these are numbers that nobody working the border has ever seen in their lifetime, even in the winter. The numbers are like nothing anyone has ever seen. And those are just the numbers that they admit to. So what we know is if you look at the money, if you look at health and human services, their strategy from the very beginning is make the problem go away. Don't let anybody see how big it is because then they will understand the truth. Then they will realize that we truly do have an open border. Don't look at the number of people dying every month because it's more people dying coming into this country than at any time. Right. Don't look at any of those things, because if you do, you will understand the implications of this policy and you won't believe the nonsense that's coming out of the White House and coming out, out of the. Lord, how, how, how can we have a whistleblower that goes, they get a map and they get, have a house in Houston. She goes, oh, there's 41 unaccompanied minors there and a couple of people they turn them over to. And there's 21 here and there's 15 here and there's 20 here. How can yep. they have them all, some of these in places that are essentially brothels? In the, in the U.S. government, they go, well, the cartel guys, the, the, the traffickers won't sue us. So that's why we're not, because we're looking, we need, we need a system here that can't be stopped. Well, and taxpayers, why should taxpayers give their money to this? This is the U.S. government as a partner. Your government that we all pay taxes to as a partner in the sexual trafficking of young children. Am I, is there anything in that statement that is incorrect in your mind, ma'am? No, there isn't anything in that statement that's incorrect. Um, you know, people can try to argue that the government doesn't know that this is what's happening, but we know that that's just a blatant lie. I mean, I know Border Patrol agents whose job, one of these agents said to me, Steve, right, because their job, there were actual jobs where all you did day and night was verify these families, make sure that someone who says this is my child, that they're telling the truth, right? The reason you had those chain link 
uh, fences, right, that were around where they were holding these people, was one of the, the purposes for it was so that Border Patrol agents could look through, right, and they could see this person, this who says this is my child, are they feeding this child? Do they know how to care for a child? If they give them a diaper, right, if they give them a bunch of diapers and a bottle with formula, do they know how to feed that child? Because very often what they were finding was that people didn't have any idea. And so they were observing them over time because that was the answer. That was very revealing. And all of those positions in Border Patrol were done away with when this administration came in, almost from day one. And one of these agents said to me once, he said, ma'am, you've never asked me what keeps me up at night. And I said, no, because that's cliched. And I, I try not to ask you know, predictable questions. And he said, but I want to tell you. So I said, OK, go ahead. Tell me what keeps you up at night. And he said, I'm a father. He said, I have small children. He said, and I see their faces. All I think about is I'm this child's last hope. After me, I mean, it's certain death, right? Because you're going to be raped. You're going to be tortured. You're going to be, you know, traded for whatever purpose that the cartels want. And so it's, you know, it's way past time, Steve, for us to be giving. But hang on, but hang on. That's my point. This is like, they're like a currency. They are raped. They are tortured. They are. There's some statement in the Veritas that says it costs ten thousand dollars, and the little girl has to pay it back by being sexually exploited till they get their ten thousand dollars. They are traded like a currency. Is that correct, Lara Logan? One hundred percent correct. And this administration knows it. We've always known it. That's how the cartels work. I mean, you had a bust in Texas where they were bringing women who were eight months pregnant to a gas station where they had to work off their debt by being raped every day in a miserable little room at the back of the gas station. And I mean, that was Texas law enforcement that busted that open and it was widely reported. So if you think about what we know, Steve, it's a fraction of what the administration knows because we only have a fraction of the evidence, right? So they know that when they open the border, the cartels are the ones making the money. They know that the people are being, if not trafficked for sex, they're being trafficked for their labor or trafficked for debt slavery. We know because it's been reported, NPR, I think it was, did a documentary all about how the cartels will go. They'll take the title of your land back in Guatemala or wherever it is you come from. They'll take everything from your family back there. They destroy these families on both ends, right? Not just uh, back home there, but also right here in the United States. And, and we know from the beginning of this administration that they've been moving kids in the middle of the night. I know an organization that went up and filmed it in Tennessee. The police were right there on the runway. They were watching it. You know what happened when that plane landed? You know, two uh, luxury Greyhound buses came up. They put those children in different buses. These guys that I know, they followed uh, those buses. They went way over 100, over the speed limit. Nobody stopped them at any time. And, the, and I have video of this one bus stopping outside an airport. And what happens? People come up with trucks and cars, and they get handed kids. There's two kids, three kids going with this guy, with that guy. I know a guy working for an organization, a company that was paid money to give these kids away. And he said to me, he was very senior in Homeland Security Investigations before he took this job. And he said to me, Lara, we're handing these kids over to people we have no idea who they are. Yako Boyens, a very well-known counter-trafficking person whose sister was a victim of trafficking. He went on Tucker Carlson's show. He's been talking about this. I talk to him fairly often. And he said they're literally paying people, paying private companies to take these kids. They don't care if they're giving them to known pedophiles. They know they're giving them to criminals sometimes. And they don't care. 
because the, the well-being of these children is not their objective. We know that the cartels, this is the number one destination in the world right now for sex trafficking. Every sex trafficker, every criminal, every criminal organization and the cartels, they have never been making more money. The legacy of this administration is that they have made the most violent and evil criminal organizations on the face of the earth richer and more powerful than they have ever been. And we need to know from the Biden administration, why is it that they opened the doors to the cartels? Because the reality is when you open the doors, you open them for everybody and you're not doing anything. We don't hear them talking about the threat of these cartels. We don't hear them saying this is a national security issue. We don't hear them saying that we're concerned about the well-being of these kids. We don't. What we know from whistleblowers and I know from sources and we know from Project Veritas is that the strategy is get rid of these kids as fast as possible. Don't let anybody see the problem and we don't care what happens to them. And by the way, yes, we are using your tax dollars to make this happen. We're doing the traffickers job for them because they have to get the kids to the border. That's the Project Veritas uh, whistleblower said. Then, then we do the job for the traffickers and send the kids where they yeah. want them. Now, imagine hearing that if you're a normie or if you're someone who is actually part of a mainstream media organization or involved in the production of mainstream propaganda. Imagine hearing that that's what you're about to have to deal with. That's what you're going to have to go out and deny. So now it's not just the Balenciaga thing. It's not just Veritas. Now it's people having a real conversation about what this all looks like in the big picture. And that's what it looks like. I've discussed it many times on the show. This isn't a conspiracy theory at all. This is a system. This is a trade of humans. And there are trafficking rings around the world. They have them on every continent. And it just so happens that our southern border is one of the worst places in the world for that behavior. Why is that? Well, it's because the regime is in control right now. And this is what the regime wants. This is what their immigration policies intend to produce. And if you disagree with their immigration policies, what are you called? A racist. They're still pretending that it's about brown-skinned people. And they divert and they distract to allow this system to remain in place. Now, I want to jump back just a few days to Monday. The New York Times addressed this Balenciaga issue in an article with the headline, When High Fashion and QAnon Collide. They write, two new Balenciaga campaigns ignited a firestorm that traveled from the internet to Fox News, fueled by allegations that the brand condoned child exploitation. Well, those aren't allegations. You can see it in the picture. And so when the New York Times defends this by trying to paint this not as a problem, not as a real problem depicted in their own marketing materials and in the history of everyone involved in that shoot. Once you scan through their Instagram, once you look more deeply into the company and the people associated with the company, no, it's just part of a conspiracy theory. It's just part of the QAnon boogeyman. And now you can't talk about it or think about it 
or we're going to call you QAnon too. Let's go through some of this article. Ever since Demna became artistic director of Balenciaga in 2015, the storied brand has become a lightning rod for controversy, often intentionally so. You get that? It's a very famous brand and they court controversy because that's just part of their brand image. See, remaking Ikea's 99 cent shopping bag is a luxury good, putting heels on Crocs, selling destroyed sneakers for dressing Kim Kardashian in a head-to-toe black body stocking for the Met Gala, and sending models who looked like refugees down the runway carrying trash bags made of expensive leather. You got that? They're just courting controversy. This is how high fashion they are, how creative they are. They put heels on Crocs and sold destroyed sneakers for almost $2,000. Don't you get it? The outrage provoked by such moments often seem to be the whole point. Well, who was actually outraged by that? And who was just having the stupid surface conversation that we see being had about the people who throw paint on paintings in museums for awareness about climate change? It's not real outrage. It's just society participating in the marketing campaign. Each only bolstered the reputation of Demna's Balenciaga as a brand that forces consumers to grapple with the very meaning of taste. Now, however, the release of two new campaigns by Balenciaga, which is owned by Kering, the French luxury conglomerate that also owns brands like Gucci and Saint Laurent, has taken the public opprobrium to a new level. One campaign featured photos of children clutching handbags that look like teddy bears in bondage gear. Another campaign featured photos that include paperwork about child pornography laws. Together, they ignited a firestorm that traveled from the Internet to Fox News, fueled by allegations that Balenciaga condoned child exploitation. The controversy has become one of the most explicit collisions of Internet culture, politics, fashion and conspiracy theories to date. So you get it? The story is not about the actual child exploitation that you can see in the pictures and in the imagery in those pictures. That's not just the teddy bears in bondage gear with the child. You can look into it. I don't need to describe all the pictures for you. There's more than enough out there and available at this point. I think Liz Crokin just put up uh, a new Substack article about it. If you want to go check that out, she does excellent coverage on this issue. The story's not about what's in the pictures. The story is about how this became a controversy when everyone knows it shouldn't be a controversy. That's what the New York Times is pretending to report here. On November 28th, almost two weeks after the storm started brewing and after a series of Instagram apologies that failed to quell it, the brand issued a statement admitting a series of grievous errors for which Balenciaga takes responsibility. I take responsibility. I take responsibility. The fashion house announced ongoing internal and external investigations and new controls and said it was reaching out to organizations who specialize in child protection and aim at ending child abuse and exploitation. Oh, you get that? 
It's like when a celebrity gets caught doing something terrible and they have a little press conference where they field questions from reporters they invited themselves so that they can look like they're actually somehow the victim. And then they say, I'm going to seek help and I'm going to talk to some people who are really affected by this stuff. And hopefully this whole thing will make me a much better person. I'll see you guys later when I'm famous again in a few weeks. We want to learn from our mistakes and identify ways we can contribute, the statement said. Really? Well, then how did these pictures come to be in the first place? Because it's not like a photographer just walked in one day and set up this photo shoot and took the pictures and were like, hey, Balenciaga, would you like to use these pictures I just casually took on my own for your new marketing campaign? And Balenciaga's like, yes, these pictures look like they'll do just fine. I mean, we haven't looked at them really at all, but we're going to put them up. Sounds great. No, these things are huge productions. They have business meetings about this stuff. Laura Logan actually talked about a lot of this with Bannon as the segment went on. But back to the New York Times. The fallout began on November 16th when Balenciaga published a campaign called Balenciaga Gift Shop. It was shot last month by Gabrielle Gallimberti an Italian documentary photographer whose work focuses on the stories our things tell about ourselves. Oh, you get it? It's all about the stories about your things. Mr. Gallimberti had previously made a book featuring images of children with their toys, but he had never shot a fashion campaign before. And that's when Balenciaga swooped in. They were like, hey, Mr. Gallimberti, We see you take kind of creepy pictures of children and their toys. Would you be interested in taking photographs of children with sex toys? And he says, see, see, Amici. His photographs featured six children clutching destroyed teddy bear handbags, which had first been seen in the brand's spring 2023 runway show in Paris. The fluffy bears had black eyes, fishnet tops and leather harnesses, wine glasses and other gift items were displayed around them. Wine glasses and other gift items? According to Mr. Gallimberti, the objects as well as the children and the location chosen for the shoot had all been selected by Balenciaga, with numerous staff members present during the two days of photography. Not long after the gift shop campaign was posted online, a groundswell of outrage began against the images that juxtaposed children in what looked like bondage paraphernalia. But you see, it only looked like that, according to the New York Times. I mean, they're just reporting. They don't really want to come down on one side or the other about whether this actually was bondage paraphernalia, even though the entire point of the shoot is that it is bondage paraphernalia. Five days later, on November 21st, Balenciaga released a separate campaign, the brand's 2023 guard robe advertising campaign. Social media users zoomed in on images from the campaign that appeared to feature, as a prop, paperwork from a Supreme Court decision on child pornography laws. Oh, those dastardly Instagram users. How could they even zoom in? That's so rude. What were they trying to do? Figure out what's in the image they're being shown by the brand that's showing them the image? That's just what these conspiracy theorists do, always looking deeply into what they're presented and trying to figure out what it means. It's so 
irresponsible. This is how disinformation gets started. And the New York Times always trying to keep their audience in the right mindset asks rhetorically, wait, there were two different ad campaigns? Yes, the Guard Rub campaign, which included Nicole Kidman, Isabel Huppert, or Huppert, I don't know, and Bella Hadid as models, was shot in July, months before the gift shop campaign, and took place in an office setting. Looks in the campaign were introduced in a May 2022 show at the New York Stock Exchange. You see, this is all old news. No one would have even realized or had a problem with this old news if they hadn't looked into the new stuff and then looked at other stuff. The conspiracy theorists are always looking into old stuff and then connecting it to the new stuff just because it's the same people doing it. Like, why do they even do that? Anything that's old, anything that's from before, that stuff's all okay. Because look, here we are right now. Everything's okay. So that stuff didn't matter. It was no problem. Why didn't you have a problem with it at the time? Oh, it's because you didn't know about it at the time? Well, well, here we are now. You didn't know about it then. So it wasn't a problem then. Why is it a problem now? Just because you just because you know about it now and you realize how wrong it is? It's <laughs> crazy conspiracy theorists. They don't even know how to think. In one of its images, a $3,000 Balenciaga and Adidas hourglass handbag was featured on a desk, along with printed copies of the Supreme Court's 2008 decision in U.S. versus Williams. The case examined whether laws banning the pandering, promoting, of child pornography curtailed First Amendment freedom of speech rights. Other props in the Guard Rob campaign included the book's the Cremaster Cycle by Matthew Barney, which appeared in conjunction with an exhibit of the artist's work at the Guggenheim Museum, and As Sweet As It Gets by the Belgian painter Michael Boromans, whose work has been shown at the David Zwerner Gallery. The gallery has described Mr. Boromans' paintings as toddlers engaged in playful but mysterious acts with sinister overtones and insinuations of violence. So you see, it was just a, just a big accident altogether. Some critiques have included images from both campaigns in a way that suggests they are one and the same. And you get that? Now they've fact-checked it. See, you got it wrong by thinking this was all just one big issue for Balenciaga. In fact, it's two different shoots. So now you can't talk about anything anymore. The thing you were saying has been discredited, even though it's a complete non sequitur. One Twitter user who shared photos from the two shoots wrote, the brand Balenciaga just did a, a interesting photo shoot for their new products recently, which included a very purposely poorly hidden court document about virtual child porn, normal stuff. That tweet, among other posts, prompted accusations that Balenciaga was promoting a child pornography campaign and glamorizing violence against children. Everything they just described proves that statement true. And they believe that by saying these are actually two different photo shoots, they've proven it all false. That's how insane this stuff is at this point. And the New York Times asks another rhetorical question just to reframe the issue once again. The Internet is full of trolls. Why did this controversy take off? Well, did you just answer it by saying the problem is internet trolls? 
As online criticism of the campaign spread, the story was picked up across right-leaning media outlets, including the New York Post and the primetime Fox News show Tucker Carlson Tonight. The show has helped to publicize and mainstream QAnon, the internet conspiracy theory that, quote, a group of Satan-worshipping elites who run a child sex ring are trying to control our politics and media. Now that, once again, for the millionth time, is not true. QAnon isn't a real thing. There's Q, which is information released on anonymous internet message boards. And there are Anons, people out there whose names aren't publicized, who research information related to Q drops. That's all it is. QAnon is entirely a media creation so that they can use it exactly like this. Everything that dissents from the central narrative is called QAnon. QAnon at its essence is this crazy, crazy conspiracy theory that just simply could never be true. And now we've called these things QAnon. So you have to understand that only crazy people think there's any problem with any of this. Here you have a major international retail brand promoting kiddie porn and sex with children, Mr. Carlson told viewers on November 22nd, and not promoting it subtly, but right out in the open. And he is 100% correct about this. None of this has anything to do with conspiracy theories. There is nothing wrong with calling this exactly what it is. Look at the image. Look what you can see in the image. Understand that people did this on purpose. There's nothing wrong with noticing that. There's nothing wrong with discussing that. There's nothing wrong with saying this is a problem. In fact, it is our responsibility to do all that so that it doesn't keep happening. But the New York Times isn't saying that. The New York Times is saying that you are crazy if you have a problem with this. Another rhetorical question. How did Balenciaga respond? The brand's first responses to the backlash came on November 24th, when it apologized for the gift shop campaign and promised to remove the advertisements from its social media channels. We sincerely apologize for any offense our holiday campaign may have caused. Oh, it's a holiday campaign, is it? Got it. I guess reindeer and Christmas trees aren't high fashion. Our plush bear bags should not have been featured with children in this campaign. We have immediately removed the campaign from all platforms, read a statement posted to Balenciaga's Instagram on November 24th. Hours later, a second apology addressing the guard robe campaign was posted to the brand's Instagram stories. We apologize for displaying unsettling documents in our campaign, the statement said. We take this matter very seriously and are taking legal action against the parties responsible for creating the set and including unapproved items for our spring 23 campaign photo shoot. We strongly condemn abuse of children in any form. We stand for children's safety and well-being. Really? Well, then how do you have multiple photo shoots across time directly referencing and or showing the exploitation of children? I mean, how many times are you going to get that one wrong by accident? On November 25th, Balenciaga filed papers in New York, initiating a $25 million lawsuit against the production company, North Six, and Nicolas Desjardins, who designed the set for the guard robe campaign. 
North Six had produced previous Balenciaga campaigns. Other clients include Dior and Zara, according to its website. Mr. Desjardins' recent work includes the disco horse from the cover of Beyonce's Renaissance. Oh, it's so hard to believe that all of these people are connected so intimately. No, not Beyonce, not Queen Bay. Beyonce sucks, by the way. I don't talk about her on this podcast, but Beyonce is awful. Sorry if you like Beyonce. You have to correct your taste eventually. The document, a summons with notice, alleged that the production company and set designer engaged in inexplicable acts and omissions that were malevolent or at the very least extraordinarily reckless. See, that was all somebody else's fault. Can't blame Balenciaga. Gotta blame the set designer for the photo shoot and the conspiracy theorists. If it weren't for them, everything would be just fine. People shouldn't have noticed what we were doing. Effectively, the brand claimed that the documents were placed in the campaign photographs without their knowledge and had led to false associations between Balenciaga and child pornography. Okay, so the association was false because those papers about the child pornography case appeared in the photo shoot and in their campaign by accident. And then the other campaign that came way later, well, okay, that. That part wasn't an accident, but it wouldn't have been an issue if not for the conspiracy theorists. So really both issues separately have now been solved, which means that together there's actually no issue at all. See how it works? When contacted by the New York Times, North Six, which manages production details like catering, permits, and crew, declined to comment. You see that they're just like a production company and that's all they do. And it was them that put those papers in there for the shoot that we just happened to also use in our campaign. And no one noticed. No one could have ever noticed simply by looking at these things like people on the Internet did. So where did the copy of the Supreme Court decision come from? Who approved its use as a prop? The documents came from numerous boxes rented from a prop house. A lawyer for Mr. Desjardins, the set designer, wrote in an email statement. But all were supposed to be fake office documents, Balenciaga said in its November 28th statement. They turned out to be real legal papers, most likely coming from the filming of a television drama. Really? Is that what's most likely? Which television drama was filmed that contained these documents? Balenciaga, which had the images in hand for months before their release, called the inclusion of the Supreme Court page unapproved and the result of reckless negligence. And they're claiming that the reckless negligence was by someone else. Mr. Desjardins lawyer in her statement said that there certainly was no malevolent scheme going on. Balenciaga representatives were on set during the shoot quote, overseeing it and handling papers and other props. And Desjardins as a set designer was not responsible for image selection from the shoot, end quote. She wrote. Her client, she also reiterated, had no involvement in the other gift shop campaign. Ultimately, image selection would have fallen to the brand, which in its November 28th statement said that it took, quote, full accountability for our lack of oversight and control and, quote, could have done things differently. Except... They're still suing that guy to make it his responsibility, which means obviously they don't take full accountability for what happened. 
They only take accountability for their lack of oversight and control. You see, we just we just didn't pay enough attention. And it just so happened that child exploitation ended up in two of our ad campaigns in a row. So what's it going to be? New York Times child brained readers. Are you going to side with those QAnons or are you going to give the benefit of the doubt to this very high fashion luxury brand whose products you wish you could own, but you just can't because you're not good enough? Is Balenciaga also suing the photographer of the gift shop campaign? No. Mr. Gallimberti had nothing to do with the guard robe campaign. He also did not make the decision to feature children with the bear bags in the gift shop campaign. He said that Balenciaga had told him the theme of the shoot was punk. Balenciaga in its November 28th statement said, our plush bear bags and the gift collection should not have been featured with children. This was a wrong choice by Balenciaga, combined with our failure in assessing and validating images. The responsibility for this lies with Balenciaga alone. In other words, don't blame the photographer. But the nuance was lost amid the heat of the reaction. You see, once again, you have lost the nuance. Once again, you have simply seen the thing for what it is, and you have not yet heard the full context as Jen Psaki and Karine Jean-Pierre always like to do. Okay, I see that you're seeing that thing for exactly what it is, but let me give you some other context. And it turns out that their other context is never just context. It is just a convoluted and complicated explanation for why the thing that you are correctly interpreting should be interpreted in a different way so that they are no longer in trouble. They're no longer the bad guy for this terrible thing that they have absolutely and obviously done. Since the gift shop campaign images were released, Mr. Gallimberti has said He's been inundated with hate mail and death threats, has had jobs canceled, and has had personal details, including his phone number, published online. Well, very sorry to hear that for the photographer. The photographer probably is the least responsible person out of all these people, but the photographer is actually still responsible because he was involved in this whole thing and didn't think, you know, there's something really wrong with this. At the moment, nobody wants to be associated with my name because my name is associated with the word pedophilia everywhere, Mr. Gallimberti said. I've been working on my personal projects for 25 years, and then everything is destroyed by this campaign. I'm not sleeping well. My family's completely worried, and I'm very sorry to hear that, Mr. Gallimberti, but unless you weren't the one pressing the button on the camera the whole time, this is partially your responsibility. Make better decisions. If you want people to leave you alone, come out with a forthright statement. Come out with your communications with Balenciaga. Show us everything and let us decide. Otherwise, all you're doing now is claiming victim status and you're not the victim. It sucks that you're having trouble sleeping, but those children are probably going to have nightmares for the rest of their lives. What happens next? The long-term repercussions remain to be seen, but already the trade publication Business of Fashion on November 28th revoked an award it had planned to give Demna, saying it held, quote, the safety of children in the highest regard, end quote. You get that? They're losing out on an award they haven't been given yet. The horror. 
In the United States, home to the world's largest luxury market, the reputational damage from the continuing firestorm could be seismic for Balenciaga, a brand more used to being lauded for its ability to tap into the cultural moment than excoriated for its missteps. The entire fashion industry is an absolute clown show, by the way. Let's just admit it once and for all, okay? It's not lowbrow to believe that. It's lowbrow to think everything is somehow tasteful and fashionable and desirable and exceptional because it has a brand name on it that celebrities and rich people wear. Although caring doesn't break down the annual revenue for Balenciaga, HSBC estimates that the fashion house generated about 1.76 billion euros or billion in sales in 2021. As of Monday, there were no plush bondage bear handbags for sale on Balenciaga's website. However, there was a dog bowl with spikes for $848, a trio of Christmas tree ornaments, including a puffer jacket, a sneaker, and a handbag for $740, and a candle holder shaped like an empty soda can for $625. Are they advertising for Balenciaga at this point? Who cares about that? The social media ire has moved beyond the brand to envelop swaths of the global fashion industry, including the celebrities who are often its billboards, for not being more openly critical of Balenciaga's provocative marketing strategy. And look at that. The celebrities are silent once again when it comes to actually saying something that could get them in trouble. Celebrities are happy to speak truth to power for Black Lives Matter or for wearing a mask or for taking the vaccine or for saying how dangerous the insurrection was just because they're paid through people's tax dollars, through actual propaganda programs being run by the state. Oh, they're happy to speak truth to power at that point. But when it comes to speaking actual truth to power, we get like Gina Carano, two musicians, three NBA players, and all of the mixed martial arts community. And that's absolutely it. Have Ye or Kim Kardashian been involved? Perhaps not surprisingly, Ye, the artist previously known as Kanye West and Ms. Kardashian, his former wife, have been drawn into the controversy. Both have long-standing relationships with Demna and Balenciaga. Balenciaga terminated its professional relationship with Ye days after shooting the gift shop campaign last month because of the rapper and fashion designers incendiary and anti-Semitic comments made during and after Paris Fashion Week. Even so, Ye mentioned the controversy over Balenciaga's campaigns on November 26th while speaking to paparazzi. You don't see no celebrities talking about the Balenciaga situation, he said. Ms. Kardashian, one of the most powerful celebrities in the world, walked in the Balenciaga Couture runway show in July and has widely credited Demna for helping refashion her personal style in the wake of her divorce. Oh, and what could be more important than refashioning someone's style in the wake of their divorce, particularly when that person first became famous from a sex tape with a rapper that her own mother put out there and someone who has actually refashioned their whole face and body with plastic surgery. This must be so sad for Kim Kardashian. On November 27th, she said that she was reevaluating her relationship with the brand after coming under fire for not making a comment sooner. 
And then she had to comment again and again because her comments don't make sense and aren't explanatory of anything and don't get anyone off the hook. They're actually just comments meant to distract from the situation and defend her relationship with the brand so she doesn't have to sever that relationship. As a mother of four, I've been shaken by the disturbing images, Miss Kardashian wrote on Twitter. The safety of children must be held with the highest regard, and any attempts to normalize child abuse of any kind should have no place in our society, period. I appreciate Balenciaga's removal of the campaigns and apology. In speaking with them, I believe they understand the seriousness of the issue and will take the necessary measures for this to never happen again, she added. Yes, she is a mother, and that's how she knows how serious the situation is if it ever includes a parent's exploitation of children, let's say. And if you thought that this massive smokescreen for obvious child exploitation provided by the New York Times could not get any crazier, right below that last sentence I just read, which is the last sentence of the article, right below that, it says audio produced by Kate Winslet. Now, what in the world do they mean? Well, if you go up to the very beginning of the article, there's an option to listen to the article. They have recorded this article so that you can listen to it. And it seems like they've had Kate Winslet read this article. Here you go. The controversy has become one of the most explicit collisions of internet culture, politics, fashion and conspiracy theories to date. In late November, almost two weeks after the storm started brewing, and after a series of Instagram apologies that failed to quell it, the brand issued a statement admitting a series of grievous errors for which Balenciaga takes responsibility. So just for a reference point, listen to Kate Winslet in a normal interview. Didn't understand that she was doing anything wrong. She only during that trial does she start to realize that maybe she had a choice and perhaps you know, she didn't need to do these terrible things and she just didn't know. And so the knowledge that she gains, the understanding of what the Holocaust actually was, um, that happens to her while she's in prison. So that was just an interview that popped up in a Google search for Kate Winslet interview. Seriously, I wasn't targeting that. It's about a movie. I think it's called The Reader, but that's her normal voice. Think about how she sounded in the New York Times reading of that article. She sounds like she is reading a children's book to children in her perfect English accent. As she reads this article, just explaining the whole thing away. Hey, children, let me tell you about Balenciaga. It was all just a big mistake, you see. It's just conspiracy theories. And it's pretty easy at this point to see what's actually going on here in the big picture. Look at all the various ways they try to cover up this damaging situation. Even the QAnon boogeyman at this point is failing. What kind of person is going to go out and call QAnon people stupid because they believe in human trafficking rings and elite pedophiles? It's right in your face at this point. 
It's right in your face. It's right in everybody's face. It's becoming undeniable. And once the QAnon boogeyman is broken once and for all, what happens then? And to be clear, I'm not saying that what happens then is whatever the craziest thing anyone associated with reading Q posts has ever thought. I'm saying, as I have said many times before, that the disintegration of the QAnon boogeyman is a strong signal that the hate movement is breaking. The moment is coming. We know the moment is coming. We can see the progress toward the moment which is why I continually focus on narrative advancement. And if you don't see narrative advancement happening here, I don't know what to tell you. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me, and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree linktree.com slash I'm your moderator and I'll see you soon out on the range What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. 
The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!